Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Gold Standard Movement and the GSG YouTube channel. And we're here today on another special day. You know we like to bring great information and great people to our platform who, who has, I think, some <laughs> something that you definitely want to hear uh, and is definitely valuable. Uh, so today we have Dr. Quentin Haney. Uh, he is with uh, Crestcat Capital and he has 25 years of experience as an economic geologist, economic geologist. So today we're going to learn some very, very cool information uh, about some companies that Mr. Uh, Dr. Heine wants to tell us about. So uh, Quentin, are you there today, sir? I sure am, Rick. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for you know agreeing to be on our podcast and our YouTube channel. Uh, to tell us all the great information uh, that you have. So can you tell us, start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh, as you said, an economic geologist, and most people say, what the heck is that? But uh, economic geologist is basically, think of it as a modern day prospecting. Okay, I, my main focus in, in my career has been looking and exploring for big deposits mainly in gold but i've worked in other commodities as well so i've uh, i've had pleasure of working in you know silver and copper and base metals and so forth but uh look i, I spent most of my early career working for major mining companies i worked for homestake newcrest and then newmont mining and uh, about 15 years ago i decided that because the the expiration uh we'll call it the the momentum of exploration is really shifted to the to the junior mining space. I decided to get into the junior mining space, and uh, I've run a number of companies, but I've also uh, you know been director of companies, advised companies, and now I am working with Crestcat Capital, and we are funding companies. Wow, that is great. You know, and before we really get started, how does one become an economic geologist? What like what is what did it take to get you to that status? You know, it's uh, I I became interested in geology at a very young age. I grew up partly here in Colorado, and uh, there's a gold mining camp right near my house here. So when I was little, I remember going up to the old mines and stuff with with relatives and and visiting the the mine dumps and thinking, wow, you can actually get gold out of the ground. I mean, that that, that just intrigued me to no end. Now, what do you need to do? Beyond that, well, look, I, I ended up focusing a lot of my studies in high school and university in the sciences, and I made a decision, uh, actually quite young, I was about 16, worked underground at a mine here in Colorado, and uh, through high school and then uh, college, I worked worked as a miner, but I, I decided at that time, you know, that geology was a place for me, and, um, just, you know, focused on the sciences and studied geology and economic geology in particular as I went through university and in graduate school. And, and uh, you know, we need, we need more. I will emphasize that right now. We need more young people coming into this space. Can't emphasize that enough. Absolutely. And I could tell, I've listened to several of your interviews uh, over several years, and I could tell when you speak about gold and mining and, and, and the deposits and what you're coming up with. Uh, you love what you're doing. And I think this is an industry that's important uh, because we all know here that gold is real money. Uh, gold is real money. So leading into the next part, 
what right now, what, what is the economic situation that will make people attracted to uh, gold and junior gold mining companies? Uh, what do you see happening right now? You know, it, it, gold's an interesting commodity. Um, it is money. You know, I, I won't, uh, you know, I would support that entirely. That thesis is basically why we're in the predicament we are today, why we have rampant inflation and uh, irresponsible fiscal policies, as well as a, a fiat currency that's, you know, depreciating quickly now. Well, we, we moved away from gold and silver. Silver is also a money. Uh, and we've, we've, basically debased our, our monetary system. Now, a lot of people say, well, okay, should I invest in gold? But my argument is gold's like an insurance policy. If you buy a little bit of gold, it's kind of like having an insurance policy on in your house or something. You don't necessarily want to take all of your wealth and put it into gold. You want to put a, a small piece, just like you pay a, an insurance premium every month, you know, in, on your house or your car or whatever just to be safe. But uh, where do you make money in gold? Well, you make money in gold by investing in, in exploration companies because these exploration companies are basically the ones finding you know, gold, unmined gold in the ground, and that gives you the most leverage to a rising gold price. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, you know, I'm new to the junior mining space. I'm learning more about uh, exploration companies and, and, you know, that whole process. I've had the privilege of talking to people like yourself uh, about that process. So I know that your company, Crestcat uh, Capital, uh, invests in several uh, companies. And I've read that you, like, look over, like, 40 companies a month or a day. Or how does that work out when you research the companies that you're investing in? Yeah, look, I, I get on the order of it. I do at least two or three reviews a day on new companies. Some of these companies have been around, you know, and there's a bit of, you know, history there. So it's easier to review. Others are brand new, you know, newly minted companies uh, in which people are trying to take advantage of the, the current rising commodity price and, you know, going out and trying to uh, generate expiration targets and stuff like this. So it's it's kind of fun. It's uh, it's 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 really nice to see uh, energy and money come back into the space. It's been a long time. Uh, we review a lot, or I review a lot of projects. I think since I've started helping Crescat about uh, nearly two years ago in, in earnest, um, I've reviewed probably seven or 800 companies. And out of the seven or 800 companies we've invested in, currently we have about 75-ish, I believe, uh, in which we hold a stake. So, you know, roughly one in 10, call it. And, and, you know, could you just take us through just a quick a process, because many of the uh, viewers and listeners of, uh, you know, in our community, uh, we're looking for great investments. We want to understand the things that we're investing in. But, you know, we also want to know how to go do it, how to spot those companies, which ones are the best ones to, uh, you know, kind of invest in or, or pay attention more. So what is kind of a quick process that you go through? Yeah, look, from, from my perspective, what I invest in are is, is purely based on the technical merit of the company and its projects, but also the technical team in place. Okay, so uh, it's, you know, they're junior companies, believe it or not, that have great projects, but they don't have management or a technical team to advance them. Okay, so that team is actually is just as important as having a good property uh, in which, you know, discovery can be made. So what do we look for? Look, First and foremost, it would be the company has to have a district scale land holding that has 
potential for you know geologic potential like i can see the rocks are telling me that there's potential for a world-class discovery uh, i want to see it in a safe jurisdiction we prefer to invest in areas that you know we know uh, one can build a mine we don't put money into countries and, and jurisdictions that don't have a proven track record of, of building mines and then uh you know third on the list i would say is that technical team and and not to say that they're not important they are very important just like i said we got to have a technical team that can advance things if you don't have that technical team in place then you won't make discovery now there are some companies that have you know a reasonably good technical team that we actually uh have helped okay so uh part of our our position is let's be activists in a friendly way, okay, to make sure the companies have the technical horsepower to, to work on their projects. So in some cases, I've helped companies find geologists or geochemists or geophysicists or whoever to work for them. Uh, in other cases, uh, I've provided assistance myself, you know, advice about how I thought they should do things. But, you know, that's that's our underlying thesis. We, uh, we, we like property. We like you know, jurisdiction, and then that technical team. And um, there's other aspects, of, but those are the top three. I like it. You know, technology is what we understand here. You know, I'm very heavy in, in technology, spent 22 years as a technical advisor to a Fortune 500 company. Uh, but moving on, uh, I know that you are very, very interested in a company called Blue Lagoon. Uh, they're trading right now on the Canadian Stock Exchange under BLAGF. And uh, tell me what gets you so excited right now about Blue Lagoon. You know, Blue Lagoon came to us about a year and a bit ago. And at the first time I heard the story, I kind of was like, eh, I don't think this is quite for us because they were talking about small mining, you know, small scale mining. And we typically don't invest in, in companies uh, that are going to go ahead and mine. We invest in explorers. But then when I, I heard the story, and in particular, when I talked to the geologist, uh, Bill Cronk, about the project, it became clear that this, uh, this prop property they have in British Columbia, which, by the way, has not really been in the public space before. It's, it's been held by private party, and it just was off everyone's radar. Anyway, this... This project uh, had some very stark similarities to some other projects I've seen around the world, what we call alkaline gold systems. And they're rare, but when you find them, they can be prolific. They can be just absolutely world-class things. So I started talking with Bill more about you know, the, the geologic aspects, what he was seeing. I looked at photos of the core, and then Bill actually came here to Denver to meet with me. We spent uh, a day together talking about uh, various aspects of the problem. I became 100% convinced that these guys have one of these uh, unicorn type, but very prolific gold systems. And uh, we decided to put money in. So we uh, we jumped in with both feet. We've even topped up here recently, increased our stake. And uh, the guys are doing uh, their exploration. They're sticking to the story and they're doing exploration on uh, the areas that Bill and I talked about when we first invested. And guess what? They are hitting uh, veins uh, on a routine basis now. They've drilled many, many holes into this chance structural zone, and it is looking really, really good. And, and this is all coming from that uh, Dome Mountain uh, property uh, in, uh, in Canada? That's right. It's it, The property is called Dome Mountain. It's near Houston, B.C. There's a little town called Houston, not, not the Houston, Texas, but Houston, B.C., 
and uh, it's it's got great infrastructure. You know, you can drive right to the property. There's a historic um, resource there, basically the the resource that they are looking to develop in a small mine, very high grade. But uh, this chance structural zone uh, is proving to be the mothership, in my view. That's cool. And uh, I also did a, a little research on that property and, and and also Blue Lagoon and Raina Vig, from what I understand, negotiate, negotiated a, a heck of a deal with the previous owners. And he's just as, as excited as, you know, mining gold, you know, as you sound. I mean, could you tell us, give us a little bit more into that story on how you all got linked up? Yeah, certainly. Look, uh, Rana, he uh, he did the deal. I, I, as I understand, I wasn't party to the deal, and I don't know all the history. But as I understand it, the owners, the previous owners, were getting on in years. They were, you know, they were full of vim and vigor back in the day, and they were trying to develop this thing. So they actually put some underground workings in and stuff, but they didn't get, they didn't have the resources and money and so forth to to really make the thing work. And so I think Rana picked up the project for a, a very good deal. And, uh, you know, really it, it's that uh, vision that this thing could be something bigger. I think that's, that's a key. Now, when, again, when I first met the company, you know, they were talking almost exclusively about doing small scale mining. In other words, going into this, these workings and developing this small mine that the previous owners had, uh, you know, had a vision to, to develop. Okay. So they wanted to go in and do what the other guys left off uh, unfinished. Now, uh, again, when I saw the geology total 180, I said, no, I think this thing is a very unusual, but very, very prolific gold system that with some, you know, very dedicated exploration could make everyone a, a lot more money through discovery, like finding a multi-million ounce gold system will will result, especially high grade and in British Columbia, great jurisdiction, will result in uh, you know an acquisition down the road at a much much higher value. So that was my push, and that's why we jumped in. So these are alkaline mines uh, deposits, and how rare are they? I mean, are they in other places in the world? Yeah, there's there's kind of scattered all around there. You know, they're part they kind of are scattered in amongst other. You know, we'll call it more typical type gold deposits usually, but they, they tend to pop up uh, at random. Okay. So I shouldn't say that at random. I mean, geologists know why they're there, but uh, you know, if you look at the distribution around the globe, they, they appear quite random. So you got systems like here in Colorado, we got two alkaline systems. There's Cripple Creek, huge deposits. It's between what's been produced and what's is, is uh, resource and reserve nearly 30 million ounces. I mean, huge system. Uh, Beritica in Colombia, uh, which is probably the closest analog I can think to, to what I see at uh, at Dome Mountain. Beritica, I think when they sold it to the Chinese, it was north of 10 million ounces in in resource and reserve. Uh, you got Porgra in in New Guinea, uh, it's about 25 or 30 million ounces. Uh, Kellyan in Indonesia, it's north of 7 million. Like all of these, you know, they're scattered all over, but they're all big deposits. They're all you know, say north, certainly north of 5 million ounces. Many of them are north of 10 million ounces. That's cool, man. That's, that's great information. Now, I also uh, saw an interview uh, with uh, Mr. Ron of, that he also is reinvesting himself in his own company. 
Uh, and that's, that's a great crazy. sign, I think, uh, when you see the CEO buying up his own stock on an open market. I did see in early April that the stock price did take a jump, uh, you know, on this uh, CSX. And, um, you know, we like opportunities. We want to know if, you know, these things are early enough to buy. You know, we, you know, we're not looking for investment advice, but information that we can go out and research and things like that. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, look, uh, right now, I think the market cap, if I, I haven't looked today, but I think it's on the order of 40 or 50 million Canadian. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is this uh, deposit, this deposit type, high grade, British Columbia, you know, lots of expiration upside. At the end of the day, give it two, three, four years from now, once the, the ex, enough expiration is done to see that it's a substantial system. This thing should trade for for multiples, many multiples of, of its current market value. You know, uh, to give you a perspective, uh, you know, we we like to get in early in stories. Uh, we have one company not too far from here. It's in also in British Columbia, in which we we uh, invested at around twenty cents. I think the market cap was call it fifteen million Canadian at the time. Today, the company uh, based on one good year's drilling. It's worth 150 million and it's going north from here. Uh, so, you know, people think, well, is there all that much upside? <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty of upside in a story like this. Absolutely. So what does it take? You know, give us an idea what it takes to go from discovery to production. And, and is Blue Lagoon ready for production? Are, are they ready to move to that phase? You know, they they uh, do have open workings and, and accessibility to ore. And they do have a, a, a mill nearby that they can contract and process the ore, which is really the key. Uh, and I think Rana would like to see that proceed. Look, that's fine if they want to do that. Uh, but as long as they stick to the expiration focus at the same time, that's my main concern. Again, I think that's where you can create a lot of value through the, uh, the actual discovery of a, a very large high-grade system. Now, the beauty of small mine in this particular case, look, I've worked, you know, going back to the beginning of my career, I worked in small, high-grade underground mines. And if you have access to a mill, which they do, you can do pretty well. You can make pretty good money. The mine I worked at when I was young, for like three solid years, it made uh, just an absolute mint. Uh, so, you know, then <laughs> look at what's happening right now. Gold price is going up. So maybe... Maybe they got the best of both worlds. They got a little production story, but they also have this just tremendous expiration upside. Is there an opportunity for one of the majors to come in and and scoop scoop up the company? Is that part of the play? No, not yet. No, we're, we'll sell north of a billion. I don't want to. I don't. I'm not in it for small gains. I want to see. I want to see the expiration done, add value, and then we'll sell it when the time is right. You said north of a billion. Okay, I like that. I like that phrase. I like that statement. Uh, so, um, what, what's next, uh, for you, you know, and Crestcat, you know, what, uh, what other companies maybe are you targeting? Can you share any of that information? Uh, yeah, look right now we have, uh, we, we've been investing for about two and a half years and we have a number of companies that have done very well. They've, they've seen a great appreciation in value. We still hold those. We tend to, to hold and also increase our stake if the story is really good. Uh, so like SK, uh, mining, newfound gold, uh, El Oro resources, those are all just like, you know, multi-bag, you know, 10, 20 baggers for us. And then we have a new crop that's coming up. Basically, we have about a dozen 
uh, what I call, you know, crop. Like if you think of this as like corn growing in a field or something, these are these are uh, stalks that are getting bigger and, and the head, you know, the ears are starting to come on. So we've got, uh, for instance, Snowline Gold, uh, Pacific Ridge. Uh, Snowline is in the Yukon. Great gold discoveries. They have actually two discoveries. Pacific Ridge is in BC. They have one of the highest grade copper gold porphyry discoveries I've seen in a long time in BC. Uh, we have Core Assets, which is kind of the just a bit north of the Golden Triangle. Amazing uh, carbonate replacement system, very high grade zinc lead silver. Uh, we have Western Alaska in uh, it's about two or three hundred k west of Fairbanks, Alaska. It is also a CRD system. Amazing grades, like forty percent combined zinc lead, and then very very high grade silver. And look, you know, there's a whole bunch more, but I'm I'm not gonna give give the whole all the <laughs> I gotta keep some up my sleeve. So hey, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I have another question for you. So as a geologist, uh, how much do you think? Just an estimate, just a wild guess. How much gold and silver do you think is really left to mine on on Earth? You know, a lot of people say we've reached like peak discovery or peak. You know, uh, okay. Here's the fact of the matter. Earth's a big place. Uh, we we have scoured the surface in many, many areas pretty carefully. So, uh, you know, like to say, oh, you're going to go out to Nevada and find, you know, a 20 million ounce gold deposit like the good old days. That's probably not going to happen. But I can tell you this. I got good news. Uh, there are lots of discoveries to be made. It does require kind of that next uh, evolution in thought. And, and technology to make those discoveries, but we're getting there, okay? And I feel very good about this gold cycle. So uh, to put it in perspective, uh, if you look at gold prior to say the 1970s, there wasn't a lot of mining. It was actually a pretty, pretty small industry. But as the gold price rose in the late 1970s, especially a huge amount of money came in. And there was this window of time starting at around 1980 through the mid 1990s, in which there was just a whole series of, of major discoveries here on Earth, you know, you had Hemlo in in Canada, you had Gold Strike in Nevada, you had Yanacocha in Peru, and you know I could go on and on. But there was a large number of deposits discovered. I think I'm going to make a prediction. I think that this cycle that we're in right now, as the gold price goes up, and I do think it will appreciate greatly from here. I don't think it's going to stop at three thousand or you know like it it's it's going to get ahead of steam and it's going to go. But That's I think you'll see that money come in and we're now going to be on the cusp. We're basically positioning ourselves for the next generation of exploration. And it's going to be a good one. And that was going to be one of my questions. Uh, what will be your prediction on gold um, in the next two years, two to five years? Look, uh, in the short term, you know, gold's kind of consolidating around its peak here, which is fine. This is what you would want to see. You wouldn't want to see it go up and then, you know, precipitously fall back. And it hasn't done that so far, touch wood. Uh, look, given the the economic situation, geopolitical situation, but also just the fact that we are now, uh, we've reached the end of the debt-based uh, fiat currency system. I think you're going to see, it's almost like baked in the cake. Okay, you're going to see a tremendous appreciation in gold price. I think by the end of this year, my guess, 22 to 2,400, but over the next five to 10 years, yeah, gold's going to blast through 5,000 ounce or, you know, probably even 10,000 ounce. But, and people say, huh, that's crazy talk, you know, like uh, that can happen. I mean, that's, that's like three or four times its current price. 
Um, like, hold on a minute. Okay. If you look from January of 2001, gold was $256 an ounce. Okay. In September, 2011, gold touched $1,900 an ounce. That's like a, uh, what about a, a seven fold increase mm -hmm. in, in a decade. Okay. So you don't think it's possible. Yes, it's possible. In fact, it's, it's very likely. Okay. Now here's the key though. And I say this over and over again, because I, you know, I don't want people to forget. It's not about the value of, of gold in us dollars or any other currency. Gold is gold. It doesn't, lose its weight. It doesn't change its, you know, physical properties or whatever. It just, you know, an ounce of gold is an ounce of gold. It's the currency. <laughs> That's the problem. And you're going to basically see a depreciation in the currency. So yeah, if gold goes to $5,000 an ounce, you know, it looks great. I mean, oh, wow, we're all rich. Well, guess what? You're rich, but you're rich in paper dollars, which have just lost a huge amount of their value. Okay, so, you know, gold is like, I'm not trying to tell people not to invest in gold, but it, it is the one place where you can outpace inflation. Okay? Investing in gold is where you can, you can make it. But you also got to bear in mind, if we hit $5,000 an ounce gold, the world's going to be a pretty tough place. Tough place. Absolutely. Uh, that means if gold is at $5,000 an ounce, that means, you know, eggs is at $20 a carton or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and uh, we believe that gold is money here. The, the the people who follow, you know, our group understand that wealth is preserved um, in, in gold. Now, I do have a crazy question that I want to ask you and just to get your thought on it. All right. If Elon Musk said he found an asteroid and he was sending rockets to mine that asteroid for gold, would you invest in that venture? Elon Musk needs to, to uh, look, I know he's a busy guy, but he needs to uh, take a few classes in uh, geology, in metallurgy in particular, uh, because, uh, you know, he's a very smart guy and he's a quick learner. But think about the, the ability to go up and mine something in outer space and then process it. How do you process it? How do you get it back down to earth? How, or if you're going to use it in outer space, more importantly, how do you refine it and make it into something usable? These are not easy things, okay? We have a hard enough challenge just here on this planet, uh, figuring out the metallurgy of some deposits and how we're going to process them and things like this. Imagine trying to do that in outer space. Mm, that's a bit of a headbang, okay? Uh, I would say not in our lifetime, Sure, you know, generations down the road, assuming we're we're still kicking on this planet. Uh, yep, yep, maybe this will happen. But right now, I I think it's a stretch. I think it's a stretch. <laughs> Not a good investment, basically. Mm, no. Not right now. Not right now. There's, <laughs> there's plenty of good investment here on the planet. Don't worry. All right. Well, the last question I have for you is a is, is an investment that is on the planet, and it's a technical investment. Your thoughts, uh, Bitcoin versus gold? Uh, you know, um, Bitcoin will probably have a place, or Bitcoin or the technology will have a, its place uh, in our future. Uh, there's no question. But the risks around it, and look, here's where this is going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but uh, you know, people like us who want to preserve wealth or have, you know, some sort of sense of independence, like control over our future, 
we basically share a, same, a common goal. Okay, the folks that invest in Bitcoin, they want security. They want uh, you know an autonomous sense of security, just like the people who invest in gold. Okay, so basically they're almost the same mindset in many ways. The the one catch is though that Bitcoin uh, is reliant on the internet. It's reliant on electricity. It's reliant on everything working like it should. Whereas gold, physical gold, if you you have it in your possession, that's the key. Uh, your possession, then you have control of it. You don't have to worry about electricity going out. A good friend of mine uh, who invests in crypto uh, called me the other day and he said, um, "You know, sorry, I didn't call earlier. My my electricity's been off because there was a windstorm." And I, was, <laughs> I said, "Well, I, how did <laughs> were you able to were you able to use any of your Bitcoin?" <laughs> um no <laughs> yeah it's definitely something that you know has to be overcome but you know i i think that that will be something that gets solved you know i'm i'm one of the people that believe that gold and bitcoin can exist and and, and help each other out i mean i'm seeing bitcoin right now looks like it's helping the dollar out <laughs> you know the dollar to my surprise has gone up um and in in the dxy so well yeah but the reason the dollar's gonna it's like uh, it's like here in colorado on a in the summertime all these guys that go out to the park and they get in their hot air balloons they all go up you know in the cool morning air and then the sun starts coming up and then you see them all start sinking you know and they're all sinking at different rates Okay, yeah, the dollar is just not falling as fast as some of the others. Look at that. Look at the Japanese yen here lately. Unbelievable. The dollar's strengthening in a relative sense, but they're all descending. Right, right. Basically, with the dollar is just stronger than everybody else, this, and they're all weak. It's just this, the strongest, weakest currency, I guess. I don't know how to, how to put it. But, you know, uh, I certainly appreciate you, uh, you know, talking to us today. You know, there's a lot of value that can be extracted from this interview. And I hope that people who are listening right now do research on Blue Lagoon, uh, other junior mining companies in the space right now, because we do believe that there's going to be uh, a serious run on gold. Um, and, you know, Dr. Uh, Quentin, do you have any last words or last thoughts, anything that you want to put out to the audience? I would say be patient. You know, a lot of people look and they, they want gold to just go flying up like that. No, we don't, guys. We want gold to build a nice steady pattern, ascending pattern, making uh, higher highs, higher lows. And, and we want to see that that this run last. Okay. So a lot of people who, who tend to have a bit of short patience, you know, maybe maybe you should go over to Bitcoin or something where you know price can go up now five, five or ten percent in a day. Uh, but in gold, I like steady eddy, you know, all systems go kind of momentum here. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Quentin Henney, for being on with us today. Uh, it's the Gold Standard Movement, and we look forward uh, to talking with you again. And, uh, you know, just keep your eyes open for this gold industry, you know, especially the junior mining industry. Make sure you do your own research, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, this is not financial advice. Uh, my name is Rico, and this has been another episode of the Gold Standard Movement podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rico. Bye-bye.